0: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
1: Coming up on today's show... Magic Johnson becomes the fourth-ever athlete billionaire. Will Levis electrifies in his first-ever start. Kirk Cousins goes down for the
2: year, and we draft the scariest Halloween movies of all time. All of this and much, much more on this appropriately, moderately scary version of the Tomahawk Show. Who are these guys? It's my theme music every good hero should have some
3: this is an institution of learning ladies and gentlemen if you can't control it how can you teach discipline is not the enemy of enthusiasm
1: what's up everybody welcome back to the world famous tomahawk brought to you by the good folks at the draft kings network and metal Arc media as always i'm your host andrew hawkins joined by the humblest co-host of all time my man hall of famer 11-year uh, veteran, 10-time Pro Bowler, a bunch of different Hall of Fames we won't get into. Joe Thomas is in the building, a, a distinguished member of the Tomahawk Podcast. Joe, how are you doing today, man?
2: I'm doing pretty well, my friend. How are you?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. I see you are at uh what is it? Your third home? This is the, the uh, sixth,
2: sixth uh, home. Yeah. So, as you know, being the big hunter that you are, of course, uh, this yeah. is prime deer hunting community. season. Yeah. So I'm out <laughs> at the the farm, and I got a little studio built here back from covid times when uh, you and i were doing the amazon show together we we're doing the tomahawk show and uh, this was the studio <laughs> there so it brings back some uh mixed emotions here I being it. in the covid farm studio are those animals real behind you uh they were real now they are real <laughs> fake taxidermy <laughs> copies of uh the ones that were slaughtered innocently <laughs> uh in the fields of wisconsin oh my gosh an yeah. outdoorsman uh juju do you hunt <laughs>
3: Absolutely not. Never been on one day in my life.
1: (laughs) Just like that, I forgot that you had the Squid Games costume on, and when it cut to you, it still threw me for a loop. We got Juju Gotti, a.k.a. ATL Shawty, in the building. Juju, you're in the Halloween spirit. You big on Halloween? Uh,
3: Nah, I actually grew up. My mama was You just robbed a liquor store. Got it. Would <laughs> you just, just rob a liquor store? Me, don't, I'm sorry, I didn't uh, stereotype me, brother. We are trying to beat the statistics in, in nine nine two thousand. Hold on, but now my mama, she was an evangelist, and my father, he was an assistant pastor. Yeah, so it was never permitted in my household. I am so with when you. When I got older, I started dressing up, Daddy.
1: I feel you. <laughs> I I didn't do Halloween as a kid either. But Joe, yeah. he throws the biggest Halloween parties, or he used to when we were players. He used to throw a
2: banger Halloween party every single year. Joe, am I wrong? You're right. No, it was the highlight of my football year, usually, because we were blasting through one in fifteens and 0 and sixteens, and you only had one thing to celebrate during the year, and that was Halloween. <laughs> How much did you spend on those Halloween parties? Um, that's government data that I can't reveal. <laughs> it's uh military secrets. Rich but people stuff. we went all out. I mean, we hired a DJ, we had like one of the local high-end chefs in Cleveland, Rocco Whalen. He would cater it for Ooh. us. Um, we had we had unlimited drinks. We'd get bartenders there. I mean, it was fun. We tried to, we tried to blow it out. You wanted to make it feel like it was a bar throwing a Halloween party at a really nice spot, but it was just you and your buddies. So you guys could just be yourself. And I think that was important. Like when you're a pro athlete in any city to be able to just go somewhere with the other guys and not feel like you've got prying eyes looking at you or people trying to take pictures or get autographs with you. Cause then you can actually relax and enjoy each other's company. Yeah. I've heard the same thing about swinger clubs. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I was hoping it would turn into that, but okay, unfortunately, yeah. nobody ever took. That's hint. why.
1: That's why I never. I literally never came to one of your Halloween parties. Now <laughs> you know exactly why. All right, let's get into some time of headlines for today. I'm going to throw a curveball here because I read this this morning. Magic Johnson is now a billionaire, which I think really? makes him the fourth professional former athlete to be a billionaire, behind LeBron James, um, Michael Jordan. Who was the third? Maybe Tiger Woods might have been the third athlete and no. now Magic Johnson becomes mm. a billionaire. He is a part owner of the Washington Commanders. I believe a part owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. Other teams. He has like two more teams maybe. Um
3: He still mess with the Lakers at all?
1: I think I mean I think he just has love for them, but oh, I don't yeah. know if he if he owns part of the team, but he does own like another another two teams. So, I don't really know where I'm going with this. But mm-hmm. I feel like Magic Johnson is always one of those people where you're never quite sure where his money came from. So can, you, can either of you explain to me how Magic Johnson became
2: a billionaire? So I think I heard this at one point, which is always a great segue into making something up that uh, you have no idea about, (laughs) but I I had heard that he made a lot of friends when he was in LA with a lot of like really powerful business people, Uh um, because he's a very likable person. Apparently I've never met him, but I've heard he's like very likable and he commands a room and he's easy to get along. And obviously he's magic Johnson, right? So he's super famous and people in LA love him. Uh, and so he just started investing in all these different real estate properties and projects with all these people that, you know, just started hitting and hitting and hitting. And then people saw him as somebody that, um, I don't know, white whale maybe is the term. that uh-huh. like If they link their wagon to him with different investments, every single one of them hit. So then he got bigger and better investment opportunities until I guess he continued to parlay that into becoming a billionaire now. And now he's got enough money where he can buy Pro sports teams, which we know they make uh, outrageous amounts of money without <laughs> even trying. Extremely expensive pro sports team. What about you, Juju? Give me a crack. Take a
1: crack at figuring out how Magic Johnson. I hope you made have the, the right answer I'm money. really curious.
3: I got four words for y'all Magic Johnson movie theater, Daddy. Okay, every he knows it. had a Magic Johnson movie theater yep. from here to Kalamazoo. That thing did numbers <laughs> every single weekend. We talked to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> We talking about Harry Potter's Uh was in there. That was a big contributing piece, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, that was absolutely it. So I think both of you are right. So what I from what I know and what I've researched, um, he has significant shares in a Pepsi bottling plant and Starbucks and Burger King. So early on in his career, to your point, Joe, he met some people while he was playing and they taught him a little bit of a little bit of the game about franchising. And he was one of like the early heavy investors into like Starbucks franchises, and he would help open them up. Now, obviously, Starbucks is synonymous with coffee. It's like chapstick and lip balm now. It's like when you want a Starbucks, you, you don't even say coffee anymore. So there's that. You are absolutely right, too, Juju. The Magic Johnson movie theaters, what he would do is he would open these movie theaters in black neighborhoods because a lot of the movie theaters and all the surrounding economic uh, development of stores – they wouldn't go into predominantly black neighborhoods. And so he went out went in real estate and started popping up theaters and restaurants and it took off. It took off. He made a ton of money. He also has 60% stake in life insurance company, Equitrust. Um, mm, that has given him the largest portion of his personal <laughs> wealth. The firm uh, has revenues of more than two and a half billion dollars. Um, and then beyond that, his stakes in all the professional sports teams and, his background in business. To your point, Joe, he is one of the guys that people just loved and because he got into rooms, he got into deals and he got into really good deals and they've been lucrative and now he makes a ton of money. So shout out to Magic Johnson. But yes, the the Magic Johnson movie theaters is something that majority... Of the people who know about
2: that or black people, Joe? You wouldn't know that. I was going to say, this is clearly a cultural divide because <laughs> yeah. when Juju said the Magic Johnson movie theaters, I t- had a double take, like, excuse me, what the hell is that? <laughs> Never heard Because of they that. were not building Magic Johnson movie theaters in, in suburban uh, Milwaukee, let me tell you oh, that much. Joe do you, Joe, do you know who Tyler Perry is? I do know Tyler Perry, yeah. Okay. I, I was I'm not a movie guy, so like, if you named a, a white producer, I probably wouldn't know him either. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. I do know Tyler Perry. Well, Tyler Perry is also a billionaire, and I watched... I was at a screening
1: for his documentary this weekend um, of how oh. he built his his empire, and it was mm-hmm. very similar. He started off just doing plays for mm-hmm. you know predominantly black audiences on videotape or like in person at churches and what have you, and then somebody was like, "Well, you want to do a movie?" And nobody at the movie studios knew who he was, but all the black people did, and they gave him like a small budget for his first movie, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, and it was the number one movie for like three weeks yeah. because every black person in every community went to go see it and since he's done the same thing and he's worth, he's a billionaire. He's right. one of the few billionaires in entertainment. And he survived the
3: bootlegs because I had that thing on bootleg about four times over and every, every college <laughs> kid in my, in my school, mm-hmm. we had that thing on bootleg. So <laughs> he survived that and went platinum or whatever he doing, hats off to Tyler Perry. And Magic <laughs> Johnson got that thing that we all, we underestimate the power what of. Thing? The smile. Oh, okay, you know I mean? yeah, he, okay. He oh, it's a great one. So I'm glad is. that's where you took that. He doesn't have. He don't come in a room and brood around. Like it seems like he's always in, in a chipper mood, and it, it's, yep. he's infectious.
1: You have seen that when the first day he, he went as the commander's owner, and the players were just <laughs> excited to have him there. Like there's not a lot of people that players care to meet. Magic Johnson is one of those personalities for sure. Yeah. All right. So other headlines here: the Bulls. We're gonna start with the NBA. And this is interesting because this is a topic that I know Joe has a lot of uh, expertise in. So the NBA season kicked off last week, and essentially what the Chicago Bulls had to do is they already called their first players-only meeting after game one, <laughs> which might be the earliest time that I've ever seen a players-only meeting uh, called for. So, Joe, I'm sure you've had a lot of players-only meetings
2: in your career. Do they ever work? What are your What is your take on players-only meetings? Uh, the best thing that a players-only meeting does is it, continues to fracture the team to a point of no return so that you're assured of a much greater draft pick in the next year's draft uh honestly i i've never been in a players only meeting where i felt like we accomplished anything other than get pissed off at each other because a players only meeting is nothing but just a blame session just everybody sits around and blames each other for why we're not good enough And it's just a bitch session, and you know maybe somebody feels better when they walk out of there. But I've never seen anything that's productive about it. However, after a week one game, like yeah, that's hard to imagine. There had to be a lot of drama in the offseason and through the summer (laughs) to feel like you need to hash things out after one game in the NBA. They have eighty one games left, Juju, and they're
1: trying to. They're already trying to figure things out as as a team.
3: Look, uh, more power to everybody over there, man. DeMar DeRozan. Get out of there soon. Run. That, that's my <laughs> advice for you. That's tough. You're not man. gonna make, turn the city into Michael Jordan again. Lonzo Ball, get well soon. But that Chicago experiment may need a rebuild because good God <laughs> almighty. Players, earliest team member in his uh, team meeting in history, Guinness Book of World Records. Look Players
1: only meeting after the first game of an NBA season is the equivalent to a newlywed couple coming home from uh their honeymoon. And making the decision that, you know, they want to start to open the marriage up to see other people in order to make it work. (laughs) This is (laughs) right after the honeymoon. Like, it's like, you know what? We all know where these next 81 games are going to go. Absolutely. Players only meetings. They usually end with uh, somebody threatening to kick somebody else's ass. Because to Joe's point, you argue. You say everyone says their opinion of why things are going so bad. And then ultimately, <laughs> whoever the toughest guy is in the room, you know, he, you know, puts his dominance out there and says, well, come see me then. And then it, you know, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: people say, all right, I don't got to be like, let's just go. All right, we just got to get this together. And they all leave. But it, it, if it's not really a players only meeting until somebody threatens to whoop somebody's ass in the locker room, Joe, am I wrong? Yeah, actually.
2: That? We had one early on in my career where uh, our fullback, Lawrence Vickers, and Hank Fraley actually squared up like they were about to fight <laughs> see? and had to be oh. restrained from each other to the point where Vickers told us after the fact that he had blacked out. He was so mad. He was seeing red. He blacked out. He didn't even remember what happened, and he was ready to murder his teammates. So as you can see, this is a really productive thing for any team to undertake is the old players-only meeting, which I love yeah. it when people find out about a players-only meeting, especially the media. It's like, oh, it's over. Season's over. Stick a fork in them. Good night. <laughs> Sell your tickets for the rest of the year because, for the most part, it's true. Like yep. after those meetings, there's no coming back from that. There's no, there's no coming back, especially that early. But lucky
1: for everyone listening, we will be coming back here to the Tomahawk Show. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into the segment we call "Am I Tripping?" to get to some incredible NFL news from the weekend.
3: Got the base. DJ?
1: All right, guys, as always, we had some incredible NFL games. We had some not-so-incredible NFL games. We're going to go through all the topics in our favorite segment called Am I Trippin'? In Am I Trippin', our dog Juju Gotti is going to read a headline and then pose it as an Am I Trippin' question. So without further ado, Juju, let's get it started.
3: Reading brought to you by Hooked on Phonics. (laughs) In the first six games, Ryan Tannehill threw for two touchdowns and six interceptions. This Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons, rookie Will Levis got the start. In the 28 to 23 win, Will Levis threw for four touchdowns, went for 19 and 29 in 238 yards. Mm. Am I tripping or is Levis the best rookie quarterback not named CJ Stroud?
1: <sighs> I'm, I'm gonna go here first, Joe. I'm going to say no. You are tripping. He is not the best rookie quarterback, not named C.J. Stroud. I still think that belongs to Anthony Richardson. And then I would still even make an argument for Bryce Young, not because Bryce Young has played well, but because it's the first game. And what happens for quarterbacks that teams haven't prepared for is it's a very advantageous scenario. Because you can just do whatever. There's no tape on you. We have no idea what your tendencies are. The thing that Will Levis does great is he has a rocket arm, and it was on full display just throwing it up to DeAndre Hopkins, who I'm very sh- sure is happy that he was in that seat as opposed to Ryan Tannehill. But next game will be the real test. Now that teams will say, okay, we have 29 throws to scout, and we can plan on how we're going to stop this rookie who doesn't have any experience. And if he comes back next week and puts the same kind of performance up, then we can start having that conversation for my POV, Joe.
2: Yeah, I like Anthony Richardson, but he only played four games for the Colts and then got put on IR. Um, But he was looking pretty good. I mean, I I think he was throwing the ball much better than people expected. He had almost a 60% completion percentage. um, And he had that team looking pretty good. Remember, he was a really raw prospect coming out of college, but he was like this incredible athlete that people had hope that he was going to be able to be developed into a passer. But I think the learning curve was a lot quicker than people expected. So mm-hmm. I think long-term Anthony Richardson's my guy, Uh, but you're right. I've had a lot of young quarterbacks that come in and that play well in the first game because teams just don't have a book on you. They don't know what your tendencies are. They don't know how to develop a defense that tries to attack the things that you don't do very well. Uh, Which we all know in the NFL, as soon as you put stuff on film, the next team that you're going to be facing, they're going to spam whatever you don't do well, and they're going to see if you can fix it. And if you're not able to fix it, they're just going to hammer you with it. And you're going to have a bunch of interceptions. You're going to have a bad completion percentage and you're going to struggle. So I I think you need to see at least four games in the NFL of a rookie quarterback before you can make a reasonable determination of Mm -hmm. his success or failure or his likelihood for being a good quarterback in the NFL. Because four games is like the magic number in the NFL. It's the number of games that a team reviews uh, when they go back and game plan for somebody. Usually it's about four weeks back. Um, And I think it's enough of uh, a sample size for a quarterback to be able to come together and put together a nice game plan to try to take away the things that he does well and attack his weaknesses because usually after four games you've played multiple different styles of defense and Mm -hmm. the next defense that you're facing probably has a pretty good idea of which defense you struggled with and which defenses you were pretty good at Um, and so really it's all about evolving and proving that long term you can play against any style and any defense in the nfl before we're going to go put the crown on your head
1: yeah will levis is one of those guys he is like anthony richardson like if you put all the quarterbacks in a single room and you just had them work out you would probably want to draft anthony richardson and will levis they look like tarzan they can throw it all over the place they're super athletic um but if you look at their resumes it's not that of a bryce young or a cj Stroud of what they were able to do in the college game but i will say will levis is going to be having the best week ever because it happens to all of us. You come out, nobody knows who you are, they don't expect anything mm-hmm. out of you, and you ball out and you walk around like, oh man, the NFL is easy. That <laughs> shit was so easy. Yeah. Today he woke up, he got a coffee this morning, he put a tank top on instead of his typical team sweatshirt, <laughs> let the biceps show a little bit, he probably grabbed those Ray-Bans that he hasn't worn in months. I'm going to throw these on today get the car washed, you're walking around the facility and everybody's saying hi and great game and you're looking at the articles and shit is just sweet. You just think, man, this is going to be great for the next 10 years, every Sunday, balling out because I am the God. And then it hits you in the face. They're like, mm-hmm. you know what, we, we have prepared for you. We see you now. It's not a surprise. And when TJ Watt or um, Miles Garrett is on the other side talking shit to you during a game, you want to cry. And you, you realize, unfortunately, that it, it was all a fallacy. It was all it was all a fantasy, and you're living in a dream. But he bought out, so I don't want to take anything away from him. But that is the truth. We've, we've been there, Joe. Uh, Juju, that's give right. me the next one for you.
3: That was a WWE-worthy uh, promo <laughs> right there. You just The truth. That's Levin. what it feels like. There's no better Will feeling Levin's than that. This ether coming soon. <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars have won five straight. They currently sit at six and two with a number three rush defense and a top 15 offense. Am I tripping or are the Jaguars the most underrated team in the NFL?
2: I think they probably are because nobody's talking about them. The team that everybody wants to talk about is the Detroit Lions, right? They're a very balanced team. They're tough. The the coach that they have is very exciting. People like him because he wears his emotions on his sleeve. He's kind of got that old school, gruff, tough mentality, but he also seems like he loves his players. I see the Jacksonville Jaguars in much the same way as I see the Detroit Lions. The Jaguars, they've got a good defense. Mm. They've got a good offense. They've got a smart head coach in Doug Peterson, which I felt like he kind of got a, the raw end of the deal when he got fired in Philly because he, he wins the Super Bowl for him, has a bad season and a half, and gets canned, uh, which didn't seem fair. You feel like you should get a longer leash when you've taken a team with a quarterback that's a backup and you win a Super Bowl. Um, and so I think Doug Peterson is a very good coach. And then Trevor Lawrence is one of the more exciting, I think, uh, young quarterbacks in the NFL with a really high ceiling, because he's a guy that he's got the huge arm. He can move. He's super bright. He throws the ball really well all over the field. And he's just starting to develop into uh, a great quarterback because he got stuck with the urban Meyer pothole early on in his career. (laughs) And it's like, he fell in and then people just forgot about him that he was one of the most highly touted quarterbacks that had ever come out of college football because he lost like two games in his entire career. Now, I don't know if that's exactly the fact, but he only lost like one or two games in high school and only one or two, maybe in college. Um, So he's a winner. And I think he's the type of guy that has the ultimate ceiling and when he puts a good team around him, like Doug Peterson and the Jacksonville Jaguars have done, and now he's got this balanced team, I think they're a team that honestly can com- probably compete with anybody in the NFL.
1: I, I I would say you are tripping Juju because I think the most underrated team is the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, um, and they beat they beat Browns like, recency bias. Yeah, a huh? little bit. They beat the Browns this week, but the thing about when you watch the Seahawks and their wins so far this season, they're they're ahead in that division. Nobody talks about them. Some people will talk about the Jaguars. Some people, a lot of people will talk about the Detroit Lions. Nobody has been talking about the Seattle Seahawks. And the, the way that they win, it feels like such team wins. Like it's never just Geno balling out or the receivers having huge games. It's, it's literally everything. The run game, the wideouts. Geno gives them the plays that they need when they need it. Their defense buckles down when necessary. So I think they're the most underrated team. And honestly, it could be very scary for somebody in the NFC to see uh, come playoff time. All right, Juju, what you got next for us?
3: Man, that's rich. The Seahawks—I <laughs> I wrote the Seahawks off like that, and they ain't right back so far. So yep, you they Viking never do. <laughs>
1: that's what they do. They never write back.
3: The Vikings started off the season zero and two, but have gone four and one during Kirk Tober. You feel me, Tim? Kirk Tober, including <laughs> the recent win over the Packers. Though they won, though reports are saying that quarterback Kirk Cousins could be out of the, out for the season with an Achilles injury. Am I tripping, or should the Vikings have started tanking before their short-lived winning streak?
1: You are not tripping. They absolutely, they should have had Kirk Cousins on the trade block weeks ago. We were all saying it. They were like, no, we're going to double down because we think we have a favorable stretch of the schedule and we're going to make a run, which is noble. You should be trying to win. But the moment they started losing those really close games early in the season, it just didn't feel right. You just got to know when it's not your season, when it's not your time. And now Kirk Cousins who was hurt as Achilles. Hope he gets better. Terrible every time you see that injury. Um but at the same time, it does you can't help but think that their front office or their organization is kind of kicking themselves for not jumping off that bandwagon and getting what they could out of it early on. It reminded me of when I first came to Cleveland and Josh Gordon um who was regarded as one of the most talented wide receivers in the league. I believe the the, the Cleveland Browns maybe had like a a second or third round or maybe some combination trade offer on, on the books for, for Josh Gordon. And the coaches lobbied against it. And he got suspended. I think a week and a half later with a bad uh, P test for weed. And it was one of those moments where you can kind of feel those who were proponents of that trade. were trying to like do their best to make it, make it make sense. But it's like, you missed this window of opportunity to make the organization better. And, I think the coaches and that staff—they were the ones that rallied against it, and and I could tell they coached the rest of the years trying to trying to make that right. And this this kind of feels like a missed opportunity in the same way,
2: Joe. It seems like the Vikings are kind of half blowing it up, which I don't know if it's a uh, a good idea when you're trying to rebuild a team to do like half measures. You almost have to do like the Browns did when we just tore it down to the studs. One zero and sixteen, one and fifteen. Yep, got the draft picks we needed and saved the salary cap space for the future because. When you keep a guy like Kirk Cousins around, who's a good enough quarterback to give you some wins, like we saw in Kirktober, right? They're four and one. Like they're the best team in the uh, NFC right now. They're probably going to win the NFC North uh, if they can beat the Detroit Lions here down the stretch. But now that Kirk's not there, they're in like a weird spot because they still got to pay Kirk and they have to replace him somehow with a quarterback that surely won't be as good as Kirk, and they're probably going to win, like, a few games because the team is decent. I really like Kevin Uh O'Connell as a coach, but you're going to end up right in the middle of the draft, and it's really difficult when you're in the middle of the draft order to be able to get one of those quarterbacks that you feel like you can rebuild with. So then you're stuck in the same situation that a lot of teams are. It's like, how do we get the franchise quarterback if we can't get him in the draft? Like, do we do the Browns route and give away a bunch of first round picks and, Mm -hmm. you know, 250 million in guaranteed money to be able to bring somebody here. That's a proven commodity. Or do we try to just roll the dice and get a guy in the middle rounds or in the second round, like a will Levis? Uh, from Kentucky who was drafted in the second round who had a great game for the Tennessee Titans last weekend so it'll be interesting but I think the biggest problem and maybe this is a cautionary tale for GMs in the future is Kirk Cousins has a a no trade clause so Mm -hmm. it wasn't really up to the Vikings whether they wanted to get rid of him or not and a guy like Kirk Cousins who's always really been aware of his image uh, and he doesn't ever want to be seen as a malcontent like he's Mm -hmm always going to say the right things about like, oh, I'm not going to waive my no trade clause. I love being in Minnesota. I want to be here because he knows he's got them by the balls. And it just gives him more leverage when he has that no trade clause. And he says he doesn't want to get traded because (laughs) if ever anything did come up, he could definitely ask for more, whether that be money on an extension in Minnesota, or he could then force his way to a different team. If he didn't like the team that he was going to get traded to And he reduces the value because he's not a free market uh, object now that the Vikings can trade and get whatever his perfect highest and best value is. Uh, So the Vikings were in a tough spot, and I think it all goes back to the no-trade clause that Kirk Cousins had because it really gives the quarterback the power and it kind of screws the team.
1: It's funny. Well, it's not funny, but when he got injured, everyone was talking about how the team was crushed. Players, you know, they really love Kirk Cousins because he, he, he does have that infectious personality within the locker room. But they were like, you know, he's, he's clapping on his teammates. He's, you know, waving to the crowd. He's, he still smiles when he gets onto his cart. And they're like, it's this devastation. And I'm like, no. it's Yes, Kirk Cousins is probably a great guy. But what you're looking at is that's what it looks like when you have a guarantee, fully guaranteed contract. And you and you have really bad injuries. Like, if you want to see more smiles from athletes, on the, specifically in the NFL when they get hurt, give them guaranteed contracts. That's what it feels like. Because... If you getting hurt has no bearings on your money, you don't give a damn. It's like, well, my check is still going to clear for the foreseeable future. So I'll see you guys in a calendar year or three weeks if I go to Aaron Rodgers' doctor. We're going to take a quick break. (laughs) uh, And when we come back, we're going to draft the very best Halloween movies of all time in one of the coveted Tomahawk drafts, baby. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. It, it wouldn't be spooky season if we didn't have a Halloween-themed segment here on the show. So what we're going to do is we're going to do one of our famous drafts, and we're going to draft the best Halloween movies of all time. We will r- go around the Robin. I'll have a team. Joe has a team. Juju has a team. Um, I will be the commissioner um, because uh, Juju has been set up way too much today already. So I'll take it from here, Juju. Don't worry about it. But, Juju, we will give you the first overall pick. In the 2023 Tomahawk <laughs> Halloween movie draft, which is a big spot. There's a lot of good options here. I am curious to see how this shakes out. We'll put it on social media, as we always say we will to get the votes. Maybe we'll actually do it this week. Uh but we'll figure we'll see what happens. Juju, you are on the clock. First overall pick, brother.
3: That was pretty good. (laughs) I'm going to go off grid. This is just means so much to me that I just got to choose it and I need it on my team. The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney
1: Todd. All right, I'll be honest. I have not seen Sweeney Todd. (laughs) I have never even heard of it. What what is is this?
3: Holy (laughs) moly. I love that movie, guys. I recommend it ASAP.
1: yeah. What is yeah, the what is absolutely. the premise? What is the premise of the movie?
3: Uh, they started from the bottom. Now we here. They hated him. Okay. The out They said he was broke. They said he was this and that. So he opened up him a barbershop, and mm-hmm. everybody who was talking crap about him, off curtains. Like, look, spoiler alert, curtains. <laughs> and we, we and guess what we gonna do with them? We gonna we gonna feed them to the community.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's scary. That's I, I'm actually not a big scary movie guy because I never understand the concept of uh, voluntarily scaring yourself.
3: It's a musical. Johnny Depp is. It's, it's trust me. Do yourselves a favor and do yourselves a favor. Okay. And watch this movie this weekend.
1: All right. I'm, I'm gonna put it on the watch list. Although feeding people to other people sounds a little scary. No matter yeah. if there's music or a soundtrack set to it or not, Judy. I'm gonna be honest with you. But that's all right. So I'm now gonna give the second overall pick to Joe Thomas because I'm gracious in that in my commissioner Mm. duties, Joe, you were on the clock with the second overall pick of the first round in the Tomahawk Halloween movie draft.
2: Yeah. I'm going to go with the movie scream. I'm not sure if you guys Mm. have seen that, but when I was in high school, that was like the big scary movie that everybody watched. Of course, uh, as a high school kid, there was plenty of testosterone boosting scenes with uh, all the cute (laughs) gals that run around getting scared. Uh, But it, it was just like one of the only scary movies I've ever watched because I'm like you, Hawk. Like, I don't understand the idea of wanting to be scared. I understand how emotions play into our lives and uh-huh. like how that's what we're looking for. All we want is just different feels. Like, life's all about the different <laughs> feels. But the one feel I don't want, I do not want to be scared. So uh-huh. a Scream was just right enough on that level that it gave me a little tickle inside, but uh-huh. it didn't freak me out where I had bad nightmares. That's good. That's good. That makes so, sense. Scream-
3: four words. Salute to Carmen Electra. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely, I should
1: get that tattered on my my, my top left shoulder. Very influential in my uh, young teen teen years. Um, all right, good pick, Joe. That's good. Screams off the board. That was definitely on my on, on my big board for sure. Um, real quick, clarifying question: Are these all Halloween movies, or are these just scary movies? They have mm. to be like Halloween. Just scary. Whatever right.
3: you would watch on Halloween, you could put this Christmas if you if that's your uh, Halloween <laughs> that's
1: choice. Shit. All right, that's mm. a that's a that'll be a big deal because the scariest movies I've seen <laughs> on my draft, I'm gonna throw probably a curveball at sometime. But number one, I'm gonna go with The Shining, and, and the oh. first round pick. I can't believe both of you let that one go. Mm. I'll, I'm sure Sweeney Todd is great. I definitely had Scream on the board, but in a draft, you go for the thing that you are scared somebody else is gonna grab. So the Shining Bro, number one on my word, big board.
3: Scared? That, I ain't trying to be that, scared. Don't be scared. scared, scared. scared. That's it that, That's too. I don't want to see that movie after I saw it the one time. Exactly. You don't see Jack Nicholson as the same guy.
1: Can't believe wow. they <laughs> fell to the third, the third, the third pick. Yeah, that's a drop. Mel Kiper is definitely talking about that all day tomorrow, knowing that the Shining went number three overall. All right, now we're getting to the second round here. Juju, you are back on the board for the Tomahawk scary movie Halloween draft.
3: Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I choose Scary movie number one
1: Dang, that was a good one
3: The Marlon Wayans
1: Scary movie number one Man, That is a that was, that was on my big board It is a comedy Yes, yeah. it, it is a comedy, Carl But at the same time, it's still murder It's yeah. still scary And the way that it made fun of Joe's movie I feel like right. This was Juju you know, following the ebbs and flows of the draft. Once Scream came off in the first round, he's like, uh-oh, someone's going to grab Scary Movie. That's the next one. And he he, 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 he right, might have reached a little still, bit, but it was definitely on mine. The
3: Carmen Electra. Yeah, still absolutely. The Carmen Electra.
1: You're going to draft all Carmen Electra movies. I love it. All right, Joe, <laughs> your second round pick in the Tomahawk Scary Movie Halloween draft.
2: So, I've always liked weird in my movie life and in my regular life. Like, okay. weird gets me excited. And Adam's family. We heard that about the, the movie, Halloween parties. It's very weird. Yes. That's why it was an eyes wide shut Halloween party that Hawk <laughs> never came to with the Browns. But I've always liked Adam's family because as a kid, I remember watching it and thinking, like, this is so crazy how this family likes pain. But it like was very captivating for me. And they had that classic theme song. It's just so catchy. Like, everything about it was interesting, and I think it's a timeless classic because my kids today can watch it, and they can appreciate weird. I think weird's the one thing that it just never gets old. Like, humor kind of comes and goes and ebbs and flows because it's usually related on, like, topics that are going on in the world today. But Uh weird is always captivating. Weird is always captivating.
1: Another tattoo that we should probably (laughs) – uh look into i like the adams family i mean it seems like a watered down scary movie it wasn't exactly oh, scary do that. but it's that's not crazy. it's not that's
2: trying crazy. to scare you it's trying to like make you interested and weird and like uncomfortable and i, I think it nails it right but it's got a little bit of scary so it, it can appeal to all audiences that's why it's a great draft choice
1: yeah thing was scary is thing in there or it it is it. like the oh, hand okay it, it is or the hand. thing
2: is like the the hair one of the, the, little the hair ball
1: yeah. okay both of them are there. All right. So Adam's a family. Creepy. A little creepy. It's it's more creepy than it is scary. That is a yeah. perfect way to say it. And that's what it. I like. But you like that. All right. Creepy <laughs> is scary to, to Joe. All right. I'm with you. So you, Adam's family in the second round. Joe's team is now Scream and Adam's family. Juju's team is now Sweeney Todd in uh, Scary Movie 3?
3: One of those one. guys.
1: Okay. Well, number one. All right. All right. My second round pick, I am going to go with Get Out. Joe, have oh. you seen Get Out? No, is it like an escape
2: room type show or something? Kind of, it's like an escape room (laughs) for black people.
1: It is, oh, for for a black exactly person Joe. you guys are really <laughs>
2: coming after the white guy on this no, show today with all your cultural references. Matthew Johnson's movie theater, never <laughs> Tom heard of. Perry. Sweeney Todd, Sweeney Todd. yeah, we, <laughs> whatever <laughs> movie. <laughs> awesome. I'm feeling very you, isolated today, we're guys. Gonna,
1: we're gonna we're gonna get you involved. You gotta you gotta see these movies, and it's gonna. <laughs> <laughs>
2: all right, this is my cultural experience here. You're going to here. be able to the have conversations
1: Halloween. anywhere with with the references we're going on today. So get get out is. Uh, Jordan Peele. You know who Jordan Peele is, obviously, Joe, yeah. right? Yeah. I had but, him
2: on uh, Thursday Night Football. We had him on the desk when he was promoting one of his shows there when you we go. were out in L.A. So yeah. his breakout Great movie was Get Out. And it was done on like a
1: $3 million budget just to set wow. the scene. There is a black guy who is dating um, a, 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 a Caucasian woman from an area yes. that probably looks a lot like where you're from in Wisconsin, uh, to, to be honest. But he goes there and essentially— he doesn't know what's going on and they essentially take him there for an auction to mm. auction him off and oh. basically take his brain out and use his body as their own eventually for them just to live on forever and they had been doing it it's a I don't I mean spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen it but it is a scary startling movie is it not Juju
3: Yes it is it I, that it was so creepy that it slipped my mind to put on his list right now like, It dang, is creepy hip- bravo
1: thank you thank you joe you gotta watch this movie you will love it it doesn't sound nearly as bad as the synopsis i just gave Get out all right perfect <laughs> but get out you you gotta watch it you and annie will be like yo that is the creepiest shit i've ever seen in my
2: life and is, all is right. it supposed to be a halloween movie or is it just scary and like a freaky like weird <laughs> it's a just upsetting com- concept
1: it's not even uh, it's scary i i mean now i probably shouldn't have told you what happens because that probably takes I already all forgot don't worry all the fun out of it <laughs> you know but you have no idea where it's going i think that's the creepy thing yeah. about it is like it it doesn't make sense until the very end and even i watched it a second time recently and i found like 10 other things that i hadn't noticed before and i'm like wow it is it is actually a brilliant movie. You got to watch it. All right. Okay. We great. got about 3 minutes left in this draft. We're going into the third round as always. The time to pick is a sh- shrunk down considerably. So Juju, you How are on are the clock. How are we doing? We'll probably do four rounds here if we can get through okay, this cool. this third round pretty quick. So go ahead. Third round pick, Juju. What you got?
3: Dang da Beetlejuice. <laughs> Beetlejuice. Oh, good one. classic. Consolute Michael Keaton, my brother.
1: Beetlejuice. There you go. I like that. That that, that one doesn't need much uh commentary
2: we 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 get it that was that was a classic joe you're up third round pick who you got yeah another movie that doesn't need much commentary ghostbusters i feel like it's a classic (laughs) everybody that was a kid watched ghostbusters and loved it you know it's a, a classic case of good versus evil you know like these Cool, wacky, Ghostbuster dudes destroying ghosts that haunt your nightmares. I mean, it's just a a wonderful, happy, moderately scary movie that appeals to all audiences. So, Uh, of course, it's going to be in my draft. You are definitely in the. You are you are crushing the
1: moderately scary category. (laughs) You can tell (laughs) that I do not like being scared. You're not into being (laughs) startled. I see. No thanks. All right, third uh, round pick for for Team Hawk. I'm going with the Blair Witch Project. Ooh. Yeah, that was a revolutionary scary film because you weren't sure if it was real or not. And people were watching like, "Oh shit, this is crazy," right? And it was beautifully uh cinematically done in a way that made people ask that question, and the fact that we didn't know it was fake completely made it that much more scary. So, I am loving how my team has shaped that. All right, we got the last round of the 2023 scary Halloween movie Tomahawk. Draft. Juju, you are on the board with your last pick.
3: The best movie of them all. Ding ding, ding ding, da, da, ding, ding, ding ding. Earnest, Scared, Stupid. <laughs> oh, yes. World. I love yes. your bat, brother.
2: Oh, <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> that that's is the best. That's
1: that, Joe's draft room right now as the moderately creepy, scary team. <laughs> they're in shambles. There's Des being flipped like, God damn it, he took our pick. All right, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Joe, what do you got? Your
2: last pick of the draft. So funny thing about Ernest scared, stupid. You can't find that on any streaming service. I was trying to show it to my kids last year. (laughs) It's impossible to find. I ended up having to go on eBay and buying an old used (laughs) DVD and and I had to buy a DVD player because nobody has DVD players anymore (laughs) to be able to show my kids. But when we did, it was totally worth it. It was an amazing movie. Uh, So I do love that one. But my last choice is young Frankenstein, young Frankenstein. Mm, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that one, but it's a classic Gene Wilder, Mel Brooks movie. It's hilarious. It's uh, not really scary, of course, which of course. Uh, fits my team's brand. We're not a scary team <laughs> yeah, here. We're gonna kick we just your go ass. out. We do workman-like things with moderate amount of fear uh, <laughs> and a little bit of humor. And I think Young Frankenstein, he it just nails it. So many great classic lines in there. I love when they go to the door and like they got the big knockers up there and <laughs> look at it. It's just like slapstick, <laughs> stupid stuff that little kids find hilarious. And I'm still a little kid, so it makes yeah. perfect sense. I'm I'm nice. I'm with you.
1: Yeah, you're. I'm I'm not gonna wait for the votes to come in. Your team sucks. This is not. Of, <laughs> Thank you. None of these movies are scary. A twelve-year-old
2: oh, boy would love my
1: team. <laughs> yes, it's the scariest right. thing in the world for an eight-year-old. Uh, <laughs> an eight-year-old kid. All right. So my last pick is this is a, this is a pick that I knew I didn't want to go with in the early rounds because I knew they would still be on the board, but it is a scary movie. I don't think there was a movie that I watched. That in totality Didn't make me more scared To this day Are you ready This could go a couple yeah. Of different places But I'm just being honest Alright My last pick Mystery relevant For our Tomahawk Halloween Scary Halloween movie draft Is the movie Concussion mm. What When I watch Concussion As a former football player I don't know If I have <laughs> ever been More scared <laughs> In my life Joe Do you not understand What I'm saying Oh Oh, I know
2: what you're God. saying. I haven't watched that movie because I'm scared of See, watching it you and seeing what my future I'm uh, telling you holds. and that's why I can't laugh about your your serious comment because I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm like I don't want to watch that. That's way too scary. That's beyond scary. If I, this is this is the Tomahawk Show. We
1: keep it real here, right? We're not going to go into the social to- the commentary about all the things. But if you ask me, what was the scariest movie I've ever watched? I am telling you, Concussion was freaking scary, okay? It, because it, it hits a little too close to home, and I'm glad that Joe hasn't seen it because now people will say, okay, it's so scary that Joe won't even go see it Cause, because because <laughs> what if, right? That's some scary shit, Juju. Do you understand what I'm saying?
3: Oh, yeah, I get it. What's that version was, of you? It hit me at first. That was hilarious. But When I thought about it, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is In a, a very dark way. What about right. you,
1: Juju? What is the kind of movie that you're like to other people it may not be a scary movie, but it's a scary movie to you?
3: Uh off the top of the head, a Teletubby movie—that's too much for me to handle. I don't necessarily want to go into that world. I don't want to uncover those demons. A <laughs> okay. little Tinky Winky, but I'm scared.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to double click into there. I thought you were going to say The Blind Side, but that would be a scary movie for Michael Orr. That's that's how that, <laughs> that's how that works. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to get into some uh, extra points in our last segment here on the Tomahawk Show. All right, we got some uh, extra points coming up here on the Tomahawk Show. I don't want to get into this as if it's another Tomahawk draft, but it is a topic that I think we should discuss. Flag football is going Mm -hmm. to be an Olympic sport for the first time ever. Um, And we know that America, they rule football. And then flag football has come on really strong in recent years, Um, both women and men's, in college at every level. Youth Joe is a flag football coach right now. I have dabbled for three or four years now. Coaching flag football, but I'm curious, when the USA puts together their Olympic team, who is going to be on it? Is it going to be current NFL players that are competing in the Olympics in August while training camps are going on? Or is it going to favor those who are, you know, full-time flag football players? I'm just, I just want to know, like Juju, where do you, where do you think this goes?
3: I definitely think the professional is gonna be the, the bulk load of the roster. Like Tyreek Hill, you need a, a Justin Jefferson type. You need a Travis Kelsey type. Just to represent, if we represent America for the first time ever, I see it being pretty much boistered by the NFL players. Salute to the flag football players across the galaxy. Damn. When, if Tyreek Tyre wanna be on this team, he's on slide there. over brother. I'm so sorry, I know you're good. <laughs> Catch you
1: in the next one. We gotta wrap the country. So yeah, here. I see
3: the NFL players being the peak
1: okay joe what do you think what are your thoughts i don't think travis kelsey would be on the team i'll be honest with you
2: so we naturally see like flag football as like the little brother to the nfl and the tackle game Uh and so we just assume naturally that everybody that's the best at the tackle game who's fast and quick and uh would presumably have great flag football skills would be similarly great because they've graduated through the flag football system but actually, when you watch the game of flag football, which I coached uh, seven-year-olds this yeah. past year, which I'm an expert now because uh, <laughs> of course. after coaching seven-year-olds in anything, you realize that there's only so much pain and suffering that you can take before you ha- are, are driven to the bottle. Um, but uh, but anyways, that's a personal issue. and. It- I'm thinking that flag football has different skills. That there's dudes out there that are playing in some type of professional league that are very, very small, very, very quick. Not to bring up your size, Hawk, but you're yeah. a very small, quick man. Yes. I you were not the greatest receiver in NFL history, but if you would have put that energy and effort in flag football, you may have been one of the greatest flag football players of all time. So I think because that. they're not playing with pads on and they're not getting hit and tackled, I think that some of the super skill set and the uh, superhuman traits that nfl players like tyreek hill have Uh it's kind of for naught and it's going to actually in the flag football olympic stadium it's going to favor smaller quicker guys that maybe Mm. couldn't make it in the nfl because they weren't big enough and they weren't able to withstand the tackles um so i i i do think it's probably going to be a little bit of a mix because from the usa standpoint juju you made a great point like This is our first chance to show our game to the world. Now, it's not exactly football, but it's still our game at its root and at its core. And so we want to have some of the guys that are recognizable because we want that popularity around the sport. We want uh, Travis Kelsey because everybody in the world knows Taylor Swift. So I think there is a sliver of like, hey, we need to promote our celebrities in the game of football by putting them in this game. But I do think that the greatest flag football players on earth are probably not all NFL players. Yeah.
1: I, I I would agree with everything that you said. To, 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 completely spot on. And my hope is that if they did go with NFL players, that they would take it extremely serious. Like yeah, like yeah. like the like the dream team took mm-hmm. the NBA. Like let's beat people by seven touchdowns. Let's make sure they don't have a single <laughs> completion, right. and show everyone our dominance in this area. I agree. I don't think a lot of NFL players would actually be good on the team. My my guess is that they're going to have a capped roster. And so the reason why they would have a cap roster is probably because you're going to need people that are more have versatility. I agree. I would have been one of the best flag football players in the world. I would also agree with that, Joe. I'm glad you mentioned that. And I didn't have to (laughs) um, for a lot of reasons, because I was the quickest man in the world. And I also played offense and defense. I can play corner Mm -hmm. and play receiver. So I'm like perfect in that scenario. I go to these Mm. celebrity flag games and I go the off. I don't. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I'm not there for fun.
1: I'm yeah. out here making people look terrible. Like I'm shaking Matt Liner down. I don't <laughs> care. Celebrity actors coming in. Uh, Mario the singer. No, I'm giving you buckets if you step up here trying to guard me. I'm not messing around. Travis Hunter would be on that list. Travis Hunter is probably yeah. one of the first draft play. picks. He's definitely playing. Um, I don't know. That's that's a tough guys one too. You said a lot what?
3: Of XFL guys as well. I think. A lot of the XFL guys who are very shifty and fast, yeah. salute to the Sea Dragons. I think a lot of those guys will go to the uh, the flat football Olympics as well.
1: I, my goal is that we are just beating Croatia's head in by like <laughs> 100 <laughs> touchdowns just to show them like, hey, man, nobody breaks on a football the way of, uh, way an American does. All right. Next it, topic here. Go ahead, Joe. What do you got?
2: No, I was going to say it will be really interesting to see like how developed the football infrastructure is with these other countries. Because when I was in Germany last year, covering the NFL Germany game between, uh, was it the Bucks and the Seahawks? Mm-hmm. Um it was interesting. They played a flag football game at halftime between women. It was like the German, you know, national flag football contest. Uh-huh. And it was the championship game. And these girls were really good. And these were German women. So, I mean, yeah. can you imagine if you had American women over there playing, like the level would be even above that, but I was really impressed with how good they were. And so I, I think we're going to be really surprised with how good some of these other Countries are that really haven't played football that have never had an NFL player come out of there because these flag leagues are really much more popular than you guys even realize internationally. And there's a lot of people playing it. And I think America has a huge advantage in football, right? Because it's our sport, but also we have a lot of really big people in our country uh-huh, and yes. that are athletic and strong. Like, yeah, I think a lot of it's our culture, but also like the background of the human beings that are in America right now. We're big, we like to lift weights, we start training early. But like with flag like football, you don't need to be big and strong and be able yep. to tackle people and be violent. Like it's, it's a much more of a finesse game. Yep. And so I wouldn't be surprised if teams like France, you know, you where so? some of these, I don't listen know. to this, where some of those basketball players from the NBA that have like great Quickness and they're very smooth because that's like what the French culture does a good job of developing because of their background (laughs) in soccer and like the beautiful game. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if Brazil has a great flag football team because of their skills on a soccer field, which I think some of the quickness and the footwork and stuff really carries over between the game of soccer because you have to have great body control, great ball control with your feet, but you also have to be fast and quick. Um and it's pretty easy I think to take those skill sets of like a great soccer nation so and then the, transfer them over to fight football. So who's the number one contender? If we say America's the favorite to win Yeah, the they're Olympics, the favorite.
1: Who is who is the number one contender in the Olympics? You're going with Brazil? I'm going with Brazil. I like Brazil. Yeah. Okay. I'm I I might go with a dark horse. I'm going to go with uh I'm going to go with Japan. Oh, no. yeah. Uh. I've seen some Japan football and they they, they major in the past game. They're quick. They're fast. Mm-hmm. It's, I I think they've, they've put enough time in. I, I can see Japan being good. Juju, you got anybody?
3: I'm going to go with Zimbabwe. <laughs>
1: okay. you just <laughs> Yes. You just say anything, <laughs> Juju. Zimbabwe. All right. Uh, that is also taking me to another another topic, and this might not be good to say. The track community is not going to be fans of this. Mm-hmm. Um But I was thinking about Tyreek Hill, and obviously he was very fast at one point. And the track community, they hate the fact that people call Tyreek Hill fast because they don't (laughs) think he's like fast, fast. They're like, oh, you're football fast. And I'm like, well, yeah, he had to put on like 30 pounds of muscle. He's a little heavier. He has to withstand hits. But he is still a very fast human being. But I've always wondered, like when I look at track guys, and this might be the wrong way to do it. I'm not saying this is it, Juju and Joe. This is just my opinion and not the opinions of Metal Lark, DraftKings, or the Tomahawk show. <laughs> I've always felt like track, elite track athletes are <laughs> people not tough enough to play football. That might be wrong to say. That might be wrong, but it's it's the reason why. And I, I know that it's wrong. Don't get me wrong. But my, my point is: why not go make as much money as possible if you're that fast? Because I know like unless you're like the top track guy, it, like you, if you had the decision to make up, you know, whatever the millions and millions of dollars are in football versus track, unless you couldn't do it, what would you choose? That, is that the wrong mindset, Juju?
3: Yes, I, okay.
1: Talk me Michael out of that. Michael
3: Lewis is turn. Uh, what's his name? Uh, but Michael see, you're Johnson. talking about
1: the the fastest people ever on Earth. So I don't mean Usain Bolt. I don't mean Michael Johnson. I don't mean Carl Lewis. I would not even mean what's the, what's the buddy that uh, was talking about the NBA Flo players. Jo. No, especially not FloJo. I'm not talking about <laughs> the like yo. We're in the running for the fastest ever. But there is a considerable amount of track guys or track you know runners that are in the we'll call it they're running consistently 10-4s, 10 10-3s, 10 right? And you're, I, you're, I not going, you're not going to win the Olympics with a 10-3, you know, which is I like, well, agree. why I wouldn't think, you I go play football stars. if you could?
3: I think track stars are just as athletic and tough as football players, each and every one of them, wherever you are out there. I believe in you. I think you are strong, and I think you are (laughs) as tough as you think you are.
2: There goes Juju pandering to the audience again, (laughs) pandering to anybody that will listen to him. No, I I agree with you, Hawk, but I think it's a different skill set when you're good at track because it's straight line speed. I was on the track team at Wisconsin, and I've always been a big track fan, so I had a lot of buddies that were – uh runners and uh, typically a lot of them don't have the lateral movement like the athleticism the quickness the start and stop that you have to have to play football so they're yes they're very fast because to be able to be super fast you got to have like tight ankles tight hips Yep. Um, your hamstrings have to be tight and that makes you strung like a rubber band. So you, yes, you're very fast in a straight line, but it makes it difficult to move laterally to mm-hmm. do the start and the stops. Okay. And I just don't think that overall they have the athleticism to be an NFL player. Um, Damn. and when you're that fast, you're also usually not that big because like the more yeah. weight you have, the harder it is to run down the track. Right. And so handling hits is a real challenge for most guys that, do have that track background. Jonathan Taylor, I don't know if you guys know the running back from the Colts, who's one of the best running backs in the NFL. He ran track at Wisconsin. He was like a 10, three, 10, two, 10, four guy, like right in there, like super fast, That's Um, but never going to make the Olympics like that, no right. matter how fast you get. But as a big guy, it transitions really well to football to have that type of speed because When you are big, you are strong. You are able to make some of those aggressive cuts, those start stops. You're able to zigzag and have the lateral movement that you need to to be able to be on a football field. But it does hold you back from being among the fastest of all time to really make anything of yourself long term as a professional runner. That makes 100 percent sense. and You guys are right. I was wrong. I mean, people I guess people do
1: make decisions for passion and not business like I do. Everything I make is a business decision. (laughs) And has been since I've been three years old. Keisha, so are you listening? That makes
3: sense. <laughs> yeah.
1: Keisha, I love, you but, it's I love business. you. but it was
2: a business decision,
1: honey. It, it would it, it helped my time a lot more by having a woman at the house than having to go chase one. Okay, it was it's opened <laughs> up my calendar so much. Well, that does it for this episode of the Tomahawk Show. Make sure you subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. And check out the video version on the DraftKings Network every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Juju, as always. Shout out to the team. And we will see you guys next week. Without further ado, Joe T, take us out.
2: Mm -hmm. Joe Hawk yourself.